with that as our backdrop and understanding what Peter has, has ultimately done through uh, Jesus giving him the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and he's opened up the doors now for the Jews. He's opened up the doors for Samaritans. He's opened up the doors for Gentiles. I want us to make three observations about salvation. So let's jump in. Key point number one. Key point number one for us this morning is this. Salvation is not the result of our religious activity, but through Christ alone. Salvation is not the result of our religious activity, but through Christ alone. Let's pick up Acts chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 1 through uh, 23. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. By the way, did you notice Caesarea? He was in the exact same location where he asked Peter the question. And so here they are in Caesarea. Here's uh, this guy named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men down to Joppa. By the way, that's Tel Aviv, southern part of Tel Aviv. And send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel spoke to him, had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now Joppa, if you remember, Joppa or Jaffa, is in the southern part of, of modern-day Tel Aviv, and Caesarea is about 30-some miles, between 30, 40-some odd miles just north. Uh, it's still on uh, the Mediterranean Sea. But I want you to notice some things about Cornelius, some things that were mentioned here about him. Cornelius was a devout, a devout man. He had deep, deep commitments. Scripture says that he feared God. He knew, he knew some things about God, feared him. It even says that he gave alms to those in need. He was a generous man. But I don't want you to miss this. Cornelius was still lost. Cornelius wasn't a saved man. Cornelius was not a follower of Jesus. Cornelius had no relationship with Christ. Cornelius was a devout, good, nice man. Probably a model citizen, someone that you would say, hey, I want my son to grow up to be like, to like Cornelius. He's a, he's a sharp, sharp individual, yet he was lost. But I want you to notice this. Prayer made the difference for him. It was prayer that God heard, his prayer that God saw. It was his prayer that God heard, and God even listens to the prayers of everyone, those who are lost. Those who are lost, God hears their prayer when they cry out to him. God listens to those prayers. And that made all the difference for Cornelius. Let's pick back up verse 9. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the house, housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. 
In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Let's pause there for a minute. Did you see the conflict? Did you hear that? You hear what he said? He called him Lord, but then said, No. Which is it? <laughs> you can't have it both ways, can you? You can't say no, and then at the same time call him Lord. If he's Lord, then you have to, by necessity, say yes. If you say no, Lord, then he's what? He's not Lord. You're being disobedient in that. So here's Peter, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. So what, what's going to be the response here? A voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. He's going to correct him here. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I, I am the one whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to, the, to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, we'll pause there just for a moment. I want you to consider this. Peter, being Jewish, saw the Gentiles as unclean. And whenever he saw Gentile people, he would have considered them unclean. It was the Jewish people who were considered clean. They, they went through painstaking you know, uh, efforts to, to make sure that they were clean and through Peter's vision, God is revealing that the Jew was, was not clean and the Gentile unclean. In other words, you know, when we think about this, God was helping Peter understand that both the Gentiles and the Jews are both what? Unclean. Both of them are in need of salvation. The Jews were in need of salvation. The Gentiles were in need of salvation. Now, why is that important? Why was it important for Peter to understand this? Well, up to this point, every person who had come to Christ had either been Jewish, and then up till chapter 8, had, were a Samaritan. So there were no, there were no Gentile Christians. We, we didn't even exist at this point. It was just Jewish people. It was just, it was just Samaritans. 
And yeah, here we have Peter. What, what is it? What is it that he is trying to understand? He's, he's thinking about this vision. It's like, God, what are you trying to teach me? It's so important, and here's why it's important to understand that both the Jews and the Gentiles are, were, were to be considered unclean. Because if you think that the Jews are clean, and you think that Gentiles are unclean, you will start to teach that the Gentiles have to first do what? Become Jewish. Because the Jews are clean. So they're going to have to, so the false teaching would be, the risk would be, all right, hey, because you're unclean, you need to become like us. You need to become Jewish. You need to become like us because we're clean. And if you get clean, then you can become a Christian. Do you see the problem in the theology here? Because here's what we have done even in our modern culture. This false teaching of what? You have to clean yourself up first. If you can get yourself clean, then you can come to Jesus. You can get yourself clean first, then you can come to Jesus. And this vision was given to Peter to say, guess what? You can't clean yourself up first. You are not clean yourself. The Jews are, are unclean. The Gentiles are unclean. The Samaritans are unclean. And all of you are in need of salvation. Every single one of you. So it's a false teaching then to start teaching that you have to do what? Clean up your life first. And that's what they were at risk of doing. They were at risk of, well, we need to convert all the Gentiles to Jews. And if we can convert all the Gentiles to Jews, then they're clean and then they can become Christians. Romans chapter 11, verse 32 says this, For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. In other words, what? All of us are unclean. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. It's incredible. So it isn't our religious activity that saves us, is it? It isn't giving alms to those in need. Cornelius was doing that. It wasn't being a just man. That's how his servants described him. He was a good man. But all of that religious activity is not how we are saved. We are saved through Christ alone. 